When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. It is the best club in the world. Don't care what other people do. It's been a long break since Liverpool last played, but games now come thick and fast in this next period. So what is the minimum requirement from Klopp's team? There's a huge boost on the injury front with Canati and Henderson back in the frame. Jude Bellingham talk takes a new twist with Madrid and Chelsea apparently now being linked. And does Trent face World Cup heartache and how will he deal with that? I'm Steve Hother, so welcome along to the Red Agenda, joined today by uh, James Pearce, our football writer David Lynch as well. It's been 28 days since Liverpool last played a Premier League match. There's now eight huge Premier League games before the break for the World Cup. And James, it's a defining period. It feels like it. Yeah, it does. It does. I think um, as disappointing as the season has been up to this point, I think the big thing for me is that the damage is still repairable. We won't be able to see the say the same at the end of October if the kind of mixed form and, and mistakes continue. Because you know, if if they do that over the the course of the next month, then you know, probably domestically and in Europe, they'll be completely cut adrift. So yeah, absolutely huge. What's coming up? I think what is it? Thirteen. Games across all competitions in 42 days, I think, before the World Cup. Nine in all comps in October. Obviously, on the European stage, that double header against Rangers gives them that opportunity to kind of transform the look of that group after, you know, such a desperate start in Naples. And then domestically, you look at it with, you know, it's not just the number of points available. Um, was it 18 in the Premier League available in October? It's who they're playing as well. You know, Man City and Arsenal in there the chance to claw back some ground and prove that people have written them off too early this season. So, um, yeah, huge amount to play for. Uh, David, I'm going to ask you a really difficult question to answer, almost impossible. But what is the minimum expectation from this period? The conversation's obviously drifted away from the Reds being title contenders, but can it be rekindled? Yeah, I, I think you've just got to look at sort of... The, there are some really key fixtures in there. Obviously, James mentions the Man City game. I think Jürgen said it himself that it would be a good idea for Liverpool to win that with it being at Anfield. You know, you know, they need to sort of get those points over City early in the season. I think it would be a bit of a statement as well if they can win that game. And then you look at Arsenal and, and Tottenham away, two really tricky fixtures where you'd probably say that, you know, if you came away with a point, particularly with the way Arsenal play in, although, you know, it'll be a first real proper test for them as well. So, you know, Liverpool should be maybe going there and thinking that they could, you know, really sort of make a statement and, and, and lay down a marker in, in in a sense of reminding Arsenal where they are in the table. And, and you know, this, this is a different level if you're going to challenge Liverpool and City this season. So you look at those games are really crucial. And then the rest, you know, going through from that point of view is, is they sort of look quite winnable. Naturally, you both went to the Manchester City game. It's the standout fixture, isn't it? So we're, what we're looking middle of October, 16th at Anfield. When the two sides are at their best, it's absolutely compelling, James. Liverpool have got to have some momentum going into this game. Yeah, exactly. It was funny, wasn't it, listening to Jurgen Klopp before Liverpool played Ajax and he was asked by a Dutch journalist, you know, 
Are you not worried that with the game being called off against against Wolves, that you know, is it wreck your rhythm? And he was like, "What, what rhythm? We, we don't have any. We don't have any to wreck." And that that's why, as scrappy and unconvincing as it was, that win over Ajax, you know, in 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 the context of Liverpool's season, that late winner from Joel Matip has to be seen as like a line in the sand in terms of right, you know, now we push on from here and. And you're right, you know, you certainly don't want to be going into that Man City game with lots of uncertainty surrounding, you know, selection and how Liverpool are going to be able to to play because, you know, you know that if there's any vulnerability there, Manchester City will will take full advantage of that. And um, Liverpool have been written off too early this season. I think, you know, you look at what is it, the gap to City at the moment is is eight points. Liverpool have got a game in hand. You know, so if they were to win that game and beat City in a couple of weeks, you know, you're, you're talking about two points. So it's a big ask because Liverpool have left themselves, you know, a mountain to climb by starting so slowly. But it can it can be done. And I think the big the big positive for me is, you know, how many times on the back of international breaks have we talked about, you know, such and such has come back with a a strain or whatever, and such and such had to come off early and is hadn't to be assessed on his return. To Kirby, yet um, touch wood at the minute. You know there there seems to have been a lot of positive stuff come out of the international break for Liverpool. You know right you know right through to you know the the fact that the Brazilians didn't have to travel halfway around the world. The fact that their games were in Europe. You see Darwin Nunes scoring for Uruguay. That has to do him the world of good. Jordan Henderson. You know people were probably had mixed feelings about him going away with England. You know he's proved his fitness and come off the bench the other night. And then you see Ibrahim Kanate back in training at Kirby this week. Curtis Jones and Calvin Ramsey close to being available again as well. So yeah, I think I think all of that should help kind of foster a bit of positivity going into such a crunch period. Absolutely. Almost a little bit of a reset. We used that word on the last pod. And James just said there, you know, a line in the sand maybe being drawn with the winner against Ajax. But we've had a few of those moments this season, David. We had the... We had the big win over Bournemouth. We had the last-minute winner by Carvalho. At the moment, we're sort of desperately looking for each line in the sand. Yeah, they, they were sort of held up, weren't they, as a, a, a fresh start for Liverpool, and they were going to be the, the victories that sort of set them up to, to go on one of those runs. But I think I think the main difference was that you, you had a feeling around the Ajax game that, we, that there were serious conversations going on at the training ground in terms of a, a, you know a, a real mental reset and a reminding the players almost of what the responsibilities were so to you know to go in and put in not just to win the game late and in a dramatic fashion which is always great for confidence but I thought the performance as a whole was probably one of Liverpool's best ones as well so far this season and against an opponent who really knew what they were doing at, at you know a high level as well so you know that Liverpool looked a lot more complete and they looked more like they, they'd reminded themselves what they, they're all about and what has been the foundation for the success in recent seasons so I think you know this more than the, the previous good results or good late wins that they've had earlier in the season you know really can be a bit of a reset and having that little gap now and, and an international break as James says where some you know some of the players come back with really positive stories to tell from it I think that can all sort of add together in this little break that the coaching staff have had as well to think about little tweaks he can make to to make things better. I think that can you know really set Liverpool up for a strong period and they're going to need one as well because going into this World Cup break, you know you can't you can't win the Premier League early in the season as they always say, but you can lose it. And this period they can't afford to be as patchy as they were in the first period. They need to set themselves up for a, a really strong run in after the World Cup and, and to do that they're going to have to get a lot of points on the board and yeah they, they've had the time to really think about it and hopefully that, that set them up quite nicely 
feels such a weird season, doesn't it? Obviously, this period is going to be shaped by a number of elements, including injuries. And James, you, you mentioned Ibrahima Kanate. Um, good news on, on that front. Back in full training, out for two months. How, how much of Liverpool missed him, do you think? Yeah, I think they have done. I think when you look at back to the second half of last season, he he kind of leapt above the other contenders, didn't he, in terms of the partner to Van Dijk, you know, starting the major finals at the back end of the season and really, I think, grew in, grew in stature the, the longer that his first season at the club went on. So, um, yeah, I don't, think, I don't think there'll be any massive rush to throw him back in. I'd be amazed if he, you know, possibly on the bench for Brighton on the weekend, probably more likely be involved against Rangers in midweek next week because of course you know he's got Van Dijk he's got Matip who who obviously made a big impact against Ajax and and Joe Gomez as well and that and that Phillips of course still around so um but yeah it just gives them that extra quality option doesn't it and especially when you look at the the month they've got coming up you know that rotation is going to be absolutely key to to trying to avoid the kind of injury problems that that obviously hampered Liverpool so much in the early part of the season. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like we've had more injuries, David, than perhaps in recent seasons? It feels like there's been a flood at the start of this campaign. Yeah, I mean, not quite as many as the one the, the season where they sort of snuck into the top four hey, the season before course, last. Yeah. That was absolutely terrible. But yeah, it's been a bit of a theme for the start of the season, hasn't it? Made things really difficult. I think, you know, you've had some players who whose form you'd you maybe you took them out of the firing line for a little while and that's just not really been an option to Klopp and the fixture's been coming thick and fast and he hasn't been able to make changes in the way he would like to. Um, so yeah, they, they've had quite a few injuries and it's, it's made things difficult. But you just hope now with these, these injuries clearing up and they all do seem to be clearing up at once that that will give those rotational options and that allows you then to avoid further injuries as well because it's almost like a vicious cycle, isn't it? You get a couple of injuries, then you can't you can't take people out when they're tired and then they get injured and, and all of a sudden they, they start to pile up. So you, you just hope that with a few players coming back all at once that, that you know they can start to be eased in and, and that can re- reduce the workload on the, the, the sort of starting 11 and then all of a sudden you've got a, you know, a wealth of options to pick from because that was a... You know, it was a big part of Liverpool's success last season is they managed to avoid injuries for a long period of the season and, and, and were, were quite fortunate on that front. But also that rotation allowed them to avoid further injuries and therefore, you know, that's why they had such a strong run in. They were, they were changing the team all the time but never really missing a beat because everyone was fresh and wanting to impress. So, yeah, that, that was a big part of Liverpool's success last season and they'll hope that getting these players back now means that they can sort of go on a similar run again. James, just give us the heads up on Jordan Henderson. We saw him back, of course, sub-appearance for England. And also Calvin Ramsey as well, who I think we're all desperate to see in some sort of action. Surely with the games coming up, he'll have an involvement. Yeah, he, he will do, yeah. It's been obviously been a, a very difficult start to his, his Liverpool career for Calvin Ramsey, coming in from Aberdeen. And obviously all the, after the, the initial excitement and wanting to, to make a positive impression, uh, I think it was pretty much in, from the first day of... Of the of the tests that he underwent, they they highlighted this issue that has has taken a long time to to sort. But he's yeah he's very close now. He's he's out on the grass working with Curtis Jones and yeah both of those two are are pretty close to making a comeback. And I think um, it it just gives Klopp that other option, doesn't it? And that ability to kind of rotate on the right hand side that he hasn't you know he he hasn't really had so far as he I don't think any of us want to see James Milner play right back for Liverpool again so you know Calvin Ramsey gives gives that kind of attacking dynamism probably a bit more of a a like for like replacement 
in terms of what he can, you know, that positive intent that he's got in his game, which which obviously Klopp has been lucky enough to have on the other flank, where where, where he's rotated Robertson and Simicus at times, and um, Andy Robertson's still, I think he'll miss a few more games with, with that knee problem he suffered against Napoli. He, he definitely won't be ready for the weekend, so... Um, yeah, big weekend. A big sorry, big week ahead really for Costa Simicus with um with Brighton and then and then Rangers in, in midweek as well. I think he's certainly guaranteed to start those two. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, let's get a thought from both of you on the situation with Trent, who comes back from this international break with the knowledge that not even a sensational October is likely to play himself into World Cup contention. Admired by so many in the game, but sidelined by Gareth Southgate. David, clearly going to be very hard for the player to digest. Yeah, I imagine he's, he's gutted because, you know, you, you see, despite the fact he's limited prospects on an international basis, he, you know, he keeps turning up for the squads, keeps trying to impress and... You know, over the years to Liverpool, it, it, it's felt like a little bit of a travesty that he hasn't managed to work his way into that team because of the quality of his performances at club level. The one thing I would say is that at the moment, I'll be honest, I, I can almost understand Gareth Southgate's stance. I know, you know, from a Liverpool perspective, that might, might not be well received, but I think, you know, England are in a difficult moment, really, aren't they? And I, I think as a manager, and we've seen this with Jurgen Klopp, when Liverpool have been had difficult moments, it's, it's not been about sweeping personnel changes, has it? It's been about sticking to what you know and doing the things that you're originally good at and doing them better. So it's it, it must be much easier as a manager in that situation rather than say, OK, well, I'm going to go with Trent Alexander-Arnold, who, whose form has not been electric this season as well, I would, I would mention. Um, you know, it, it'd be much easier to go with the right backs who he's trusted over the years, and and the, the ones who've played in in you know in recent tournament successes. You know, his record as England manager is, is better than most England managers down the years. You have to say, and um, so it's you know it's been a difficult decision. I think where it comes in, where for Trent really, I think he's got to start looking to towards the future really in terms of his England prospects now and think, okay, it's probably not going to happen for him ahead of this World Cup. But after that, that's got to be his time. He's got to really sort of stamp his authority and, and say that, you know, I'm going to be England's number one right back from that tournament onwards. That That's my time to come into the team. because And I think that the opportunity to, to throw him in for the England manager, whether that's Southgate or someone else, will, you know, after a tournament's out of the way and these tournaments have come quite close to each other, I think there will be more opportunities further down the line. And I still believe, by the way, that he, he will be in the squad for this one. So there's still opportunities there, rather than that you, ne- you never know what sort of injury. So just try your best and, and keep yourself ready and, and play as well as he can for Liverpool between now and the World Cup. Make sure he's got that squad place. And then at the tournament, you never know. But I, but I do think his, his prospects don't look fantastic. And I, and I do think you can understand why Southgate has taken that stance. James, do you think he'll be in the squad? And if he if he is in the squad, will he see any minutes? You've written a piece on The Athletic now. It's ridiculous that his World Cup's in doubt. Yeah, I think it is ridiculous. I think for someone of his calibre, the fact that it's even a conversation. I'm sure other countries who who have watched Trent Alexander-Arnold light up massive Champions League games and and Premier League fixtures against you know the the best attackers in in world football must be scratching their heads in disbelief that 
you know, England who aren't exactly blessed with talent. You know, the fact that it's it's even a, a topic of debate. And, and for me, it comes down to it's just Southgate's way of which is he's so obsessed with trying to stop opponents rather than actually taking the initiative in games. And as David said, you have to put it in the context of, yes, he's he's enjoyed some success in terms of how far England have gone in major tournaments. But I'd also say that that kind of negativity that seems at the heart of his style probably cost England the final of the Euros where, you know, he was like a rabbit caught in the headlights when England suddenly went in front so early. It was like, well, this wasn't part of the game plan. What do we do now? And they retreated and retreated, gave Italy the initiative and ended up losing. And that's that's happened in a number of games, big games under Southgate. And I think it just feeds into... He wants his, his wing-backs or his full-backs, depending on the system. He's more worried, essentially, about what they provide defensively than what they provide going forwards. But I still think he's very, very harsh in terms of this insinuation that Trent Alexander-Arnold can't defend. I mean, it's just a nonsense. When you, you don't play, what is he, approaching 250 games for Liverpool at the age of 23. You know, you, he's won every major honour. He's been in the PFA Team of the Year, voted by his peers three times. He's on the Ballon d'Or 30-man list this year. Some people kind of made up their mind that he can't defend and then they pounce on any little thing just to, just to see. I was right, he can't defend. And, and I think that is a, a lot of unfair noise that Trent Alexander-Arnold has to deal with because it completely ignores, when he plays for Liverpool, the job he's asked to do by Klopp, which we know is kind of high-risk, high-reward in terms of the areas high up the pitch he, he is told to occupy and also at times he's let down by the lack of protection around him as well. So, you know, you do have to caveat that with, I agree with David, you know, Trent hasn't been at his best so far this season. But, you know, the fact that Southgate can come out and say, I just think Kieran Trippier's all-round game is better, that absolutely baffles me. Yeah, you just, I, you know, I think there's a very fair debate to be had about whether Trent Alexander-Arnold should start for England, but the idea that he should somehow be facing a, a struggle to get on the get in the on the plane to Qatar, I just find absolutely baffling, and I'm and I'm sure Klopp does too because he hasn't been shy previously to uh, to say what he's thought about some of Southgate's decisions where where Alexander Arnold's concerned. I'm sure, he'll be asked again. James has written on the Athletic now about uh, Trent, and if you're not already a subscriber to the Athletic, you can read. All of the articles on Liverpool, everything on the site, if you head to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod, and there is a special price if you'd like to sign up a pound a month for six months at theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. Just as baffling maybe as Trent being um, left out or sidelined, whatever you want to call it, is Thiago not being involved in the Spanish squad. I mean, talking of special talent... um, Thiago's got the same issue. Incredibly, he didn't receive a call-up for the Spanish squad. And David, he's likely to miss out on the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, when you, you watch him for Liverpool, it's sort of just hard to understand, isn't it? I think he almost finds himself in a similar situation to Trent in the sense that, you know, he, he's never quite actually been able to sort of nail down that starting spot at international level. You know, he's never been someone that Spain have massively relied on. So, you know, looking at it today, he's, he's only got 46 caps. When you think, you consider how long he's been playing at the top, top level for, that is surprising, really. And I think... You know, he, he was hurt initially by the fact that his his time when he was coming through over, overlapped with with Xavi and Iniesta being there, and and you know you could have no arguments with those starting the games that they did for Spain. Um, but then you know this should have really been his time. Now he should have been you know the main man in that central midfield. But then they got 
other younger options coming through they want to really have a look at in Gavi and Pedri. And I, I also think that because he has had those occasional injuries at poor times for him in, in terms of time, he's never really been able to cement himself. And, and so, you know, he's, he's ended up in this situation, which is, yeah, it looks like he's not even going to be in the World Cup squad, which for a player is immense talent just seems bizarre but it's I think that's just the way it goes sometimes you've, you've got to say that you know the managers at, at international level they've got to make the decisions for the players they trust and the ones that they've seen the most of and the ones that you think they can get the job done because that's what the jobs rely on and if they don't see that in Thiago then you know you've got to hold your hands up and it's one of those but it, it does just seem like a, a bizarre misuse of an incredibly talented player you know you're not telling me that even if he's not in your starting eleven, that he isn't good enough to be in that Spain squad, that he is not one of Spain's best midfielders. I mean, he's one of the best midfielders in the world, and we've seen that on a weekly basis for Liverpool. So, yeah, it just seems a, a real shame if he's not going to be there because he's the sort of player who sort of lights up tournaments like that. He's, he's got so much quality, and I love to watch him. But, yeah, the managers will, will make those big decisions and, and you know, they'll, they'll live or die by them, I suppose. As you say, he's almost one of the finest in the world at his discipline, isn't he? Um a week ago, we had the foundation game at Anfield, James, and Xabi Alonso was back, who still looks in remarkable shape. And he was passing the ball about with 40-yard diagonals, you know, showing what he used to showcase when he played in the first team. And you sort of compare the two, Thiago, Alonso, both at the top of, of their game. We've been very fortunate at Liverpool to see these two players. Yeah, 100%. Both players who are worth the admission money alone, aren't they? I think um, in terms of their ability to control a game, to dictate the pace of it, the range of passing, and that ability to provide kind of wow moments as as well, where you th- you you kind of you know in awe of the of of the you know almost feels like they've got the ball on a piece of string at times. So yeah, I, I I must admit I don't I don't know enough about the other options that Luis Enrique has got in midfield in terms of how they've been performing this season it does it does feel like he kind of made us made they made a decision post Euros because Thiago hasn't played for for Spain since since the Euros it was almost like right we're going in another direction we know they've got some really talented young midfielders coming through yeah if you you do wonder how many caps Thiago would have if um if he had an English grandmother and and England had managed to uh to, 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 when you think about uh, you know the the fuss that's made over someone like Declan Rice in this country, if um, if uh, yeah, if only we had someone like Thiago. So yeah, I think they've they've clearly got an embarrassment of riches, but it will play into Liverpool's hands. I think you know for a player that you know with Thiago, the only frustration with him is that he doesn't play enough. You know he's missed I think a third of the Premier League games in both of his two seasons at Liverpool so far. So I'm sure, although Klopp, you know, I'm sure he won't say it publicly, but privately, I think he'll probably be quite quite happy at the thought of Thiago being able to have his feet up in the in the middle of winter, which should should hope hope you know help Liverpool when it comes to getting him out there as often as possible in the second half of the season. Thiago and Alonso in their prime. You only get one pick, James. Who's going in your team? Oh, Steve, that's like picking between one of my kids. <laughs> I think, I think, I, I think I'd probably still have to stick with Zabi Alonso. Right. Okay, David. Yeah, I mean Alonso had a, a European Cup for Liverpool on his CV as well, and he scored a goal in the final. So so far, I think he's probably got to edge it. And and actually, I don't think we saw Zabi at his. He was brilliant for Liverpool, but I think his career even elevated after Liverpool, didn't it, David? 
Yeah, yeah. There were, I, I, I think really the sort of his first and his last seasons at Liverpool were, were probably the best he he showed uh, in his time at Anfield. And and not that you could understand why why Rafa Benitez was sort of looking to swap him out for Gareth Barry at the time, but it wasn't a, a, as crazy a shout at the time as it might have seemed. I think um, looking back on it now, yeah, just an immensely talented player, wasn't he? And, um, you know, really, really good alongside Gerard as well. What a, what a combination! That you know, that that song about best midfield in the world. You had you had a genuine argument with Mascarano in there as well. That Liverpool had that um, a, a phenomenal player in his day, and and yeah, it's just a shame that Liverpool didn't have him for a little bit longer because I think um, if he had, when that team was really building up to to lose him, he was a real key cog at the time, and I think that was almost the start of the end really for Rafa Benitez as Liverpool. He was a, it was a huge loss, and and yeah, it's a shame he didn't have him for a little bit longer. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's talk about another player that Rafa perhaps had differences with it in the end, and that's Albert Riera. You, you had an in-depth chat with him, James. It's on The Athletic now. It's all right. It's all water under the bridge between the two of them now. But but fascinating, I'm sure, when he, when he spoke to you about how Rafa sort of sidelined him and he felt sort of pushed out of the squad. Yeah, I think the best bit of the interview was we were talking about his relationship with Rafa and how, um, you know, his, his very public outburst that people are remembering is what proved to be Riera's last season and, and Benitez's last season, actually, at, at Liverpool and how they patched things up after. And then Rafa Benitez walks through the doors and... And uh, and it suddenly suddenly joins us and they're having a big cuddle and remembering old times. So um, yeah, it was clearly clearly no um, no resentment lingers on either side. I think uh, it was classic Benitez actually because Riera said that that Rafa said to him afterwards. Well, after, you know during that little reunion they had at the Inside Hotel last Saturday, he said to him, Albert, you do know that you know you just didn't deserve to play. That was why I didn't pick you. I wanted to win every game. <laughs> It was uh, like uh, gloriously blunt um, oh. as, as ever. But and, and to be fair to Riera, you know, because if, if people don't remember, then it was he went on Spanish radio basically and um, accused Benitez of having something personal against him and said this is a manager that never sorts things out by talking about things. He just ignores you and all the rest of it. And he, he said that obviously with the passage of time and growing up and probably becoming a little bit less hot-headed and becoming a manager himself, I think is probably a big thing as well. He said, you know, you come to see things from a very different perspective. Yeah, he he, you know, he, he actually sang Benitez's praises in terms of tactically, he said he learned more from him than from any other manager he, he worked with. And um, yeah, he's certainly putting that into practice at the minute because he's got his his first managerial gig at uh, Olympic Ljubljana in Slovenia 
And you know when he walked in there, they were they were in a mess really. His his introductory press conference was gate crashed by twenty or so masked ultras who who basically forced him to leave the room. But it's yeah, it's fair to say in the in the few months since he's he's won them over because they've won they've won nine out of ten. They're they're well clear at the top of the Slovenian league and um, and Riera's enjoying himself. It's just a bizarre thought, isn't it, David? You know, a press conference and ultras are, are barging in. It's just, it's just, actually, Napoli's got that as well, hasn't it? There's, Italian football still got that undercurrent of it. So um, maybe not that easy for Albert Riera in Slovenia, but we wish him all the best. Let's just quickly shift on to Jude Bellingham. Conversation around his future intensified. Plays for England, so he's you know he's on that national stage. More stuff comes out. Apparently now Real Madrid are very much in the chase for him. David, what, what do you think is going on behind the scenes with Jude Bellingham at the moment? I think every single club or every top club in Europe is trying their best to position themselves as the perfect place for him to, to play his football next season. I think you know it's widely known that he's going to be leaving Dortmund next summer and, and absolutely everybody wants a player of that talent to be playing for them. I think you know Declan Rice summed it up when he described him as the, the, the future of English football. Um, and I think all the all the top English clubs would love to have him, but it's you know it's bigger than that. If Real Madrid are involved as well, I think you know there is reports from Marker, isn't there, that, that Real Madrid are leading the chase, and you you probably would expect them to say that, um, being the you know so close to the to Real Madrid as they are. I think it's still a little bit more open than that. There's still a lot of work to do. I think you know talking about it from Liverpool perspective, your one worry is that his performances just keep getting better and better this season, and that it gets harder and harder because it's not just that. Other clubs can offer a bigger financial package, which they definitely can. But I think it's also the consideration that some of them offer a more, you know, consistent chance of trophies, really. I think it's always going to be more difficult if you join Liverpool to win trophies because you've got Manchester City in your league. You know, the same if he goes to Real Madrid, it, it, it's Real Madrid for starters. They can also they can pay better, but also, you know, they're, they're, they're dominant in Spain at the moment. They're the, the champions of Europe. So it's a little bit of a difficult sell for Liverpool. I think the one area that might sort of push it for them is they've really got a gap for him uh, in a way that the other teams may not be able to say I think if you if, if Bellingham were to join Liverpool it's very obvious that he starts straight away and that, that you know he can be the main man in central midfield in the way that you know his hero growing up Steven Gerrard was so that could really appeal and obviously working with Jurgen Klopp playing in front of the fans at Anfield as well there's a, there's a lot going for it but I think you know there's a lot of time between now and the end of the season and a lot of you know big promises can be made by other clubs in terms of wages and all that and, and what his role would be so it's yeah I think the, the, the race is already very hot but it's going to get even worse between now and the end of the season without a doubt He'd have to have the, the real focus and the love of Liverpool to actually drive that through. Does it? Does the price actually become prohibitive at any stage, James? Because the more headlines he writes, the you know the more action he gets at the World Cup. All of a sudden, you're reading 70, 80, 90. It's it's constantly like a an upward spiral. This price for Jude Bellingham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think without a shadow of a doubt, there'd be a point where where you would say it does become prohibitive. You can't you can't just you can't just keep going and going and that. You know that that is why for Dortmund, you know what a position they're in because they obviously they don't want to lose him and and you know and with the article we did last week on Bellingham, you know the the message from Dortmund was very clear they still want to try and convince him to stay put and sign another contract. But I I think you know every time he lights up a big game, you just think their issues with trying to keep hold of him intensified because the interest will just keep growing and growing and. Yeah, I'm. I'm not surprised that Real Madrid have kind of have stepping up their interest. You know, there's been reports this week about, 
you know, Chelsea's interest intensifying as well. We know how serious Liverpool and Manchester United are. Pep Guardiola as well, a huge fan of Bellingham. So that price will only keep climbing. I mean, Dortmund senior figures there were saying, you know, 130 million pounds, I think 150 million euros, which you might say, well, that, you know, they're, they're obviously you know, aiming probably higher than is realistic. But then when you, when you see someone so young perform at such a ridiculously high level, like he did against Germany at Wembley the other night, then, then you can see why all the buzz and all the, the hype around him is, is fully justified. And I think clubs know that, you know, with Bellingham, you, you're buying a player for the next decade, aren't you? It's not, you know, it's it's not like you, you, you invest in a huge sum in, in someone that's, you know, in their mid-twenties and, you know, reaching their peak. It's, it's scary, to be honest. If he stays healthy, you know, what, what he could go on to achieve. And um, as David said, I think the biggest selling point for Liverpool is just you come in and you would be the main man in that midfield. You know, you would, you know, in terms of taking the club forward for years and years to come, where possibly, you know, if you went to someone like Real Madrid, you, you'd just be one of a kind of a galaxy of big names. James, brilliant. Thank you, David. Uh, superb to have you on the Red Agenda as always. Don't forget to check out the site at the moment. Uh, piece on Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain's home bean burger with the footballer and his family inside. Uh, also that piece from James on Ibrahim and Canate returning to Liverpool training and the other players uh, close to the frame as well. We mentioned Calvin Ramsey, of course, Curtis Jones as well. Thank you for listening to the Red Agenda. Look after yourselves and we'll see you after the Brighton game. Take care. Goodbye. Goodbye.